0: Well good morning and welcome to Crossroads. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. I just got word that we have our Holy Land team watching online. Happy Father's Day to anyone online, but let them know how excited we are that they're here. So cool. Um, I, uh, if you're brand new, we have the most incredible senior pastor. I just wanted to take a moment and man, the guy Uh, He stands firm in the Word of God, and we're so fortunate to have him as our pastor. He prays for you guys often, and uh, he came to this church at one point, and God used him in a mighty, and still is using him, but this place almost shut their doors down, and God brought him in, and he used him to do incredible things. Let him know how excited we are that he's our senior pastor. We love you. It's a great privilege. So if I haven't had the chance to meet you, my name is Noah, and I have the incredible privilege of serving our spanish congregation we are two uh, we are one church two languages i always say that i love this place i love this church i wanted to take a moment to introduce you to my family as well uh you'll see a photo come up here this is my wife vivian we've been married for a little bit over eight years about eight and a half and two of our children i'll introduce them in the next photo this is um uh, let's go to the next picture this is my five our five-year-old sailor ray Firstborn. This is Nehemiah. He's two years old and super spunky, man. He is a leader at heart, and you can see his personality coming out right now. And this is our newest, uh, Jaden. She is 10 months, and she will be one in October. I know we got kids and diapers and car seats and all that, so pray for us. Um, I 100% love being a dad, but I wanted to take a moment and really just brag on my wife for a second. My wife is my hero. She is incredible. She does all the things. She changes diapers. She stays at home with the kids, gets them ready. Whenever we're going on a family outing, she knows all the things to get together. I used to get frustrated. What's taking so long until I got stuck at home with the kids by myself? Then I get it, okay? I get part of it. But, uh, but she's my hero, and mama knows, right, all the moms in here, you know exactly what it takes to get toddlers out of the house and get them into the car. And it's just a whole event in itself. But she is incredible. But as awesome as she is, I've noticed something. Uh, there's a shift when I walk in the room. Regardless of what they're doing, regardless of what our family's engaging in the moment it is, and as hard as she works, when I walk in the room, it's a game changer because I hear my kids say, daddy, 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 daddy's home, daddy's home, daddy's home. It's almost as if my wife does not exist. It's become the highlight of my day. in church, that is exactly what we mean when we say we're winning in relationships. Amen? Yeah. And um, it is... Uh, it's, it's incredible, uh, there's, there's moments though where dad gets distracted and I'm not paying attention and I'll hear my kids say, dad, dad, look at my eyes. They want my attention, right? Uh, we'll be at the park and uh, my daughter is on the monkey bars making her way across and she'll look behind her shoulder, says, daddy, look, are you watching, are you watching? Because in that moment, the only thing that matters was, daddy, did you see it? Because she wants her dad's blessing, her dad's approval, and her dad's participation and she wants to know that daddy is engaged with her and they want to know if we're proud of them. I know my kids want to know am I am I proud are you proud of who I am? Am I important to you? And I believe wholeheartedly church that every single one of us has that longing to hear from our father the same words that Jesus heard from his heavenly father. This is my beloved son or daughter in whom I am well pleased. All of us have this longing in our heart, and um, and we long. Uh, attachment theory says this: that we long for our father's blessing, his approval. But as adults, our longing is still there, uh, because fathers bestow blessing and identity on their children, and especially little girls. And those who received support and love from their caregivers are more likely to be secure because when that attachment is absent, there's a gap. You see this often in adults where there's a lack of confidence. Uh, There's a lot of relational conflict because they didn't have a dad saying, I love you, I believe in you, and I'm for you. Or maybe you'll see this in adults where they struggle around authority figures and even get anxiety around them because they're not secure in who they are. In fact, statistics show that 63% 63% of youth suicide comes from fatherless homes. That's problematic. Uh, the majority of gang members and, and, and drug addicts come from fatherless homes. So, so, so there's a gap. Uh, there's a guy by the name of Paul Vitz who is an author. Uh, he used to be an atheist, later uh, became a Christian. But he, he shares this, that there's, there's a psychological connection between atheism and family history. He discovered that the most prominent atheists had this in common, a defective relationship with their dads. There's a gap there. And, uh, and they, uh, they had a problem with God because there was a problem with their father. And the thing that he discovered was that there were, they were still hurting children, but they covered it with intellect. And I believe that for a lot of us in here today, uh, we're celebrating Father's Day, but whether we see it or not, our perspective of our heavenly father has been shaped by our earthly fathers. And if you're in here today and you're a dad, or maybe you aspire to be a dad one day, I know for, for me and you, uh, we actually shape our kids' view on God. And I, I don't know about you, but that's sobering. That's a, that's a big responsibility. And, and often, uh, oftentimes we project what we know about our earthly fathers to the Lord. Uh, but here's the thing. Uh, I want you to know today, I don't know where you sit. Maybe you had a great dad, and I love that. But, but we have to believe and we have to know as we discover today that God is the perfection, like Casey said earlier, the perfection of our earthly father. He's nothing like that. But here's the thing. If you had a performance, Father, you you learned early on uh, that if you performed well, you got what? Praise and adoration. And you found yourself trying harder. You wanted to achieve more. And you did whatever it took to try to make them happy. But now what's happened is that you try to do the same with the Lord. God, did you see that? Do you see all the things that I'm doing? And you always leave deflated. Why? Because you can never measure up. And it's never enough, right? If you had uh, an absent father, uh, some of you guys maybe are in here today and you had a father who was present, but he wasn't emotionally there. Or maybe you lost him to divorce or, or, or to death. Uh, that might be how you see your heavenly father now, as not present and absent. Uh, maybe you grew up with an abusive father, physically, emotionally, and you never knew where you stood with them. And maybe that's how you see the Lord now. I don't even know where I stand with you, God. One day you're for me, one day you're not. So we transfer those wounds to our heavenly father. Uh, You might be here asking today, uh, well, it's Father's Day, right? But what about mothers? Aren't they important? 1,000 times yes. In fact, I want to give praise to all the single moms out here that are pulling the weight by yourself. Praise God for you. You got a big role. But today... Today is Father's Day, so we're going to focus on the dads. But I believe that if you're in here, you're going to see that it applies to every single person. Because we're living in a time where this generation has been coined the most fatherless generation in human history. But I want to believe with you uh, uh, something today, Crossroads, that I believe that God is going to do something supernatural, and something powerful in our homes changing the trajectory of what's been coined the fatherless generation into a generation of sons and daughters who know their identity and their heavenly father. Because when they do, it is a game changer. And I believe that that's the possibility. I believe that's what God would want. In fact, one of the things that, that we see in scripture was that, that God would restore the children's hearts to their fathers and the fathers to their children. If you look at Luke chapter one, the Bible talks about John the Baptist who would pave the way for that restoration. In Luke chapter one, verse 17, it says, it is he, John the Baptist, who will go as a forerunner before him, Jesus, in the spirit and power of Elijah. To do what? To turn the hearts of the fathers back to their children. And the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous, so as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now, if you look at Elijah, his responsibility and his call in the Old Testament was to bring people's attention back to God because Israel had fallen into disobedience. They weren't living for him, and his call was to bring their attention back to God. So when he says in the power of Elijah, John the Baptist would step onto the scene. Don't hear me out on this. He would step into the scene, and his responsibility was to point people to Jesus. That's why he came in the spirit of Elijah. And, but, but the promise is that he would restore the hearts of the fathers back to their children. And that is the possibility. He would bring restoration. So today, I have the great privilege of ending our series, Winning in Relationships. I know. Let us, let us, let us say it together. Say, aww. Uh, yes, I get it. Uh, the last, the last day. But today we're going to be in First Thessalonians chapter two, because the Apostle Paul he gives us some insight on how to win in relationships, especially with leadership in the home. Paul was one of the guys that heard this same exact message from that 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 Elijah had, and he took it upon himself to turn people back to Jesus because Paul had his heart turned to the Lord. And it was a game changer for him. He was one of the most influential leaders that ever lived and he dedicated his life to this message. And after 30 days of being in this place called Thessalonica, he goes there, he preaches the gospel and countless people come to faith in Jesus and he makes an impact there. There's a lot of persecution. He almost lost his life and they chase him out of there. But here's the thing. Paul, he was the pastor who loved his church. So today, out of 1 Thessalonians 2, he gets this message, I want to share four ideas of how you and I could win in, relationship, in the relationships with our kids, especially that of our households. So the first thing is this, if I want to win in relationships, number one, I need to be present relationally. I got to be present. Paul says this in First Thessalonians, he says, but we prove to be gentle among you as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. Paul said, I was with you guys, and you could see the care and the tenderness of his leadership, and he loved the Thessalonians. He goes, I cared for you like a nursing mother. Um, My wife, she breastfed all of our kids, and for me as a dad, it was fascinating to watch the bonding and the connection that happened with her and the kids. It was like so special to us. For us, we had to be careful because anything my wife ate affected the baby. And if she wasn't taking care of herself, the baby would be affected and she couldn't breastfeed. So there was this incredible bond that took place in that moment. And I know exactly how Paul felt because I've been in ministry for quite some time now. And Crossroads, I love this place. I love you. I love our staff. I love our pastoral team. I love our Spanish ministry, our college young adults, our children. I I love this place. I live and breathe this place because I found something in Jesus that changed me forever. And I just want to, I want to be able to, amen, I want to be able to set everyone up to point people to Jesus like John the Baptist did. But I love this place. And I could see you could relate. And Paul said, I love you guys. And he was there and he was present relationally. So in leadership, regardless of what you're leading, if you're a leader in here, you know this, that you cannot lead anything if you're not connected relationally. In fact, if you lose the touch of people, you lose the touch of Jesus, and it's important to be connected. John Maxwell, John Maxwell says this, he says, leadership is influence, and influence is relationships. And... um. And you cannot lead anything unless you're connected relationally. Uh, So when you look at statistics and you look at studies out there, a lot of people's father wound was this, that my dad wasn't there. He just wasn't present physically, emotionally. He didn't show up. So what does that mean for us practically? Uh, Presence says that we put them on the priority list, that we make it a point to give them quality time and attention. Our pastor, man, he is so passionate about psychology and the word of God and and he taught us something that I try to stay aware of. I try to be present with my kids. So anytime my daughter's trying to talk to me, I try to like turn because he says, you need to make eye contact because if not, you're gonna ruin them. I'm like, oh shoot, let me keep that in front of my mind, right? And, um, And I don't know about you guys, but I get distracted I'm like, I feel like I got ADHD or something because my kids will be talking to me. The other day, uh, well, not the other day, quite some time, uh, a a lot of time, actually, my my daughter will will, uh, try to get my attention. She goes, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. And sometimes I'm like in the middle of something, and I'm like, what? What do you want? And I would get frustrated because she would say it three times. But you know what happened? She has learned that it takes three times to say my name before she gets my attention. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, my goodness. And uh, I want to be a present dad. Isn't it true, church, that we could be present but mindless? And it's usually in the moments where I'm in the middle of something. Can you guys relate? It's usually we're doing something, and they want to, like, be all up in your business. And I'm like, okay, let me finish. And if I'm not careful, I'm going to be 20. I mean, they're going to be 20, and I'm always in the middle of something. And I need to be present because those are the moments that are the most valuable and the most precious. Dave Stone, a pastor I respect, he says these words. He says, people spend their lives pushing their kids away because they could do things faster. Then they wonder why they don't want to do anything when they're older. You have trained them, we have trained them their entire lives go away, I could do things faster. Now in their teenage years, they're like, why don't you do anything? Because that's what we taught them. And I hope that's not the case with a lot of us. So practically, what do we do? I don't know if you guys know this. I got a cell phone up here, but um, if we're not careful, we could probably just scroll our lives away, right? Because we're on the Instagram or on the gram and and our kids are right in front of us, but here we are. Did you guys know that your phone has an off button that you could turn it off? (laughs) So practically, turn them off because you're gonna scroll your life away. We got this rule in our home at the dinner table, we say, no phones at the table. And you better believe my kids hold me accountable to this because there's times that I wanna look something up and I'll pull it out, dad, no phones at the table. And I'm like, okay, so we try to do that because we want to create those moments around the dinner table. Maybe you're in here today, you're like, well, social media's not my thing and that's not a distraction for me. How about the remote control? That thing has an off button too. You know, we got to be present relationally. And um, one can never give the gift of relationship without being present. So first point that Paul says, you got to be present relationally. Second point is this, that if we want to win in relationships, we have to give spiritual direction. It is our responsibility. I don't know if you guys know this, but God wanted the faith, to, our faith to start in the home. When Jesus stepped on the scene, he told the disciples, go into homes, find men of peace. Why? Because he wanted to reach the entire household. And uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8 says, Having so fond an, uh, of an affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel. That's important. I wanted to bring Jesus to you, uh, but also our own lives because you had become very dear to us. When Paul was there, he almost lost his life. They actually uh, uh, persecuted them, and they had to leave the area. But Paul said, when I came and I showed up, I wasn't only preaching to you guys we offered our very own lives. What does this mean practically? It means that our faith needs to be genuine. That's what Paul was saying. I practiced what I preached. I cared for you guys. I almost uh, died for you guys. But I wanted you to know that I didn't come with just an empty message. Yes, Jesus transforms, and we need to put them at the center of our life. But we practice what we preached. And, uh, and the Thessalonians, they saw Paul at his strongest moments, but they also saw him at his weakest moments. And our kids... Practically, they need to see our weakness as well. They need to see that dad has weaknesses, which, isn't it true they're going to see it anyways? I mean, come on, they see you walk around in your underwear. <laughs> they know, they know that, that we have weaknesses. But not only that we have weaknesses, but how do we navigate those weaknesses in life? How, how do they see us when we're broken and crying? How do they see us when we're dealing with uh, disappointment And I know for a lot of us dads here, I don't know about you, but um, this could be problematic for us because we live in a culture where we don't like to talk about our feelings. We don't like to show weakness. Come on, we're dudes, right? We don't talk about those things. One of the things that I've heard a lot of guys say about life groups, I don't wanna show up to that group because all they do is talk about their feelings. I get it. I get it, right? Uh, Especially if you were raised in a home where you like hurt yourself and all of a sudden your dad's like, stop crying, be a man, I remember my leg would be like falling off and my dad's like, hey, stop crying, shake it off and I'm like, I'm trying not to cry and and I'm like, what the heck, you know, I'm like hurting here, My, my leg is falling off but you're telling me I can't express my emotions so what do I do? It is healthy to be able to explore and navigate and express those emotions. We gotta draw them out. My son, my two-year-old, he is a big feeler. And for me, I didn't know how to handle that because he feels big. And there are moments that he's crying and I have to step down to his level and I have to try to talk to him, son, what is going on? But the moment I engage him, it's a game changer. It's a game changer because he expresses his feelings. He feels heard. He's two years old. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, okay, and I have to try to engage him so that he could be emotionally healthy when he's older. But I get it, it's hard for us. But we need to teach them how to navigate those big emotions. Because them breaking a toy, it's like us crashing a car, that's their big, (laughs) okay? And they gotta learn that we deal with stuff but we know how to deal with it. One of my favorite things is when I watch a lot of your dads come to worship and I try to bring my kids in the worship service but I see you guys raising your hands, you're worshiping, worshiping the Lord and your kids are watching you do that. I don't know about you, but that's so special. They gotta see you seek the Lord. They gotta watch you. That why? Because you're teaching them. Uh, they'll they'll learn how to handle stress and anxiety. Because church, wouldn't you agree? We're living in some of the most stressful and ancient times. Ancient times in human history. They got to learn how to navigate through all that, and they'll learn how to handle failure, how to handle finances, and how to handle conflict in a healthy way Uh, in fact my daughter and I were very similar okay we're like the same person you know what that comes with we butt heads a lot right and she's five and I'm like I find myself arguing with a five-year-old often and I'm like (laughs) come on you know and and I try I try to model this for her when I get it wrong when dad gets it wrong I'll say daddy I'll say Selah daddy got it wrong I fell short I am so sorry Uh, I shouldn't have talked to you that way or I should have done this differently um, not too long ago, we are on our way to school and like World War III broke out in our home. It was one of those days where, and maybe some of you parents could relate to this, but for some reason that morning my daughter did not like anything I chose out for her for breakfast, what to wear, nothing was going our way. And she just had one of those mornings and I'm like, come on, I'm gonna be late, I have a meeting, we gotta get out of the house and we're trying to, we're trying to get out of the house and uh, we just butted heads and finally we're in the truck and we're driving in silence. And I'm on my way to school, and then I hear from my back seat my five year old say, Daddy, I'm sorry. I felt short. I got it wrong. Will you forgive me? And I'm like, What? Is it a true church that some things are caught, not taught? It, that, I couldn't teach her those moments, but it was because we've been modeling that at home that she was able to know how to say, I'm sorry. In fact, when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment, he pointed us to Deuteronomy chapter 6, where it says this. In Deuteronomy 6, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. These words which, these words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. We should be memorizing them, right? We should know them. You shall teach them diligently to your sons, And shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. In other words, this is telling us, make it a lifestyle. That wherever you go, you're able to teach them about God. Uh, When you sit down, when you're at home, whatever we're doing, that we we would make this a lifestyle. The Jewish father took this responsibility seriously. They wanted their kids to have a heavenly perspective. Look at the next passage. Look at the next verse. Verse 8 says this. Tie them to your hands, wear them on your foreheads as reminders, write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. In other words, what you do with your hands, uh, what you allow into your mind, your forehead, right? Write them on the doorpost of your house. What you allow into your home should be based on the glory and honor of the word of God. Everything we do, why is that so important, church? It's because you and I are the doorkeepers of our home. And everything that comes into their lives need to pass through us. Whenever we're watching a show and there's a teaching moment, I try to hit pause and say, "Hey, you see that insecurity? You see how they're navigating through that?" And I try to use those shows as teaching moments. The other day, we were watching, I think, a show that was a little bit too mature for my five-year-old, but uh, Jurassic World, you know, the cartoon one that um, that's all animated. We're sitting there, and um, my daughter loves the long necks. Okay, and this dinosaur got taken out; he died. And my little girl is bawling, like just completely crying, my friend died, my friend died. I'm like, oh my goodness, what just happened? So I had to like stop it. And like, this was a real thing. I had to help her work through her grief because she was grieving over a dinosaur. That's why my wife said don't watch that show. Anyways, different story. <laughs> Mama knows, right? <laughs> uh, man, um, oh, I pray, I, I, I praise God for his grace and his mercy. I don't want to ruin my kids. Um. What about their social media? It is our responsibility to monitor that. I don't care how old they are. You guys might think that's overbearing. Your kids might think it's overbearing. That's okay. That's our call. You know, what are they watching? What are they consuming? That should pass through us, and we should be actively engaging. When they go to their friend's house, do we know if they have older siblings? Do we know if they're out? We have to be engaged, and we have to use those as moments to teach them. It starts with us, church, because if we don't educate them, the culture's going to, and it's already doing it. We need to teach them to be brave and have confidence, to be men and women of the word, to be men and women of honor. Did you know that they're going to learn how to treat their future spouses by the way we treat our spouse? They're gonna, they're gonna see that. They're gonna learn how to treat marriage in honor by the way that we do. They will learn how to honor authority and order by the way that we do. I try to do this often at home. I'll grab my kids and say, hey, go let mom know how fortunate you are to have her as your mommy. Go let her know how blessed you are that God blessed us with her. Or we'll go to the shore, we'll buy flowers and say, kids, go do it. You know, Because I want them to know that mom is special and that we honor mama in the house. In fact, John Wooden says this. He says, the best thing a father can do for his children is love their mother. So we breathe life into our our marriages. Uh, What about prayer? I know that sometimes when we think about prayer, we think about this as the last resort. This should be the main resort, if you will. Uh, I'm reminded of a story. Francis Chan, he's an author and pastor, one of my favorite guys to read and listen to. I always leave convicted when I hear that guy. Um, But... uh, he has a daughter who had a gauge in her home. She said these words. She says um, a gauge about the person that she wanted to date. She said, I just wanna hang out with the guy long enough to see if God answers his prayers because answered prayer is the measure of a strong relationship with God. Why was that her gauge? For 18 years of her life, she saw a dad who knew God and she watched that in her home, The norm was answer to prayer. And she said, the guy I'm going to marry, the guy I want to date needs to be just like that. Because I want to know that his relationship with God is authentic and it's real. That was mind-blowing for me. I'm like, I pray. I pray that my kids have the same gauge in our household. That they see the God that we serve is real and worthy of all of our praise. Amen. But guys, our homes have always been God's central plan to bring hope to the world. And it's no wonder that Satan has tried to destroy the family unit. You see this in, in uh, the, 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 confusion, uh, the confusion with gender identity. You see this with the fatherless homes. You see this with broken homes that Satan always tries to go after the household. Human beings, and I know that you don't need to be a theologian to know this, but human beings were created to, and, uh, to dwell and to function in families. From the very beginning, God wanted us to function as a whole. And Satan always hates God's design, but God knows better. actually statistics actually show us that uh, that the dad is the most influential person in the spiritual life of his children. If a father's involved in the church and growing spiritually, the likelihood of the family doing so. Skyrockets. I'm going to show you some statistics. They're all over the place of where they got these statistics. Uh, I know that um, Promise Keepers has it, and then some people say that Billy Graham was the one that brought these out. But the point is that it is skyrocketing when a dad's involved in the church. It says that if a child comes to church and is engaged and is involved, there's a 3.7% chance that a family is going to follow them. If a mom is, 17% chance that they will come and follow You guys ready for this? It says if a dad's involved, there's a 93% chance that the family will follow. That's a big deal, church. Whether that's 93, 70, it's a higher percentage and a higher probability that our kids, our family will come to church and be engaged if the dad is. Uh, We have a guy in Spanish ministry who... uh, He got super busy with work and projects around the house, and he's like, "I'm gonna take a break. I can't really come to church. There's a lot going on." And uh, and he was working and doing all his things at home. Uh, One of the Sundays, his mom's trying to get all the kids ready and trying to get them to go in the car to get ready to church uh, to go to church. And uh, he heard his daughter say these words to mom. He says, "Why do I have to go to church if Dad doesn't have to go?" And for him, that was an awakening moment because since that day, he hasn't missed a Sunday. He said, oh no, I'm not gonna set that example at home and he started coming to church. So we need to be present relationally. We have to give spiritual direction and here's a a big one. We have to live with integrity. Look at this passage. It says this. You are our witnesses and so is God. How devoutly I was committed to the Lord. I followed him and uprightly and blamelessly we behave toward you who believe. Paul said, I know that you guys saw my lifestyle, that there was nothing I intentionally did to hurt other people, to hurt myself, or do anything that wasn't honoring to God. You guys saw that. It was a lifestyle for me. And um, not that they were perfect. No one's perfect. But they lived in such a way that they couldn't point anything out in themselves. So what does integrity mean? Integrity is who you are when no one's watching. And you better believe, church, that our kids are watching. Um. I told you guys that my two-year-old is like a leader, man. That dude is uh, he asked Tim Roberts, right? Every time Tim would try to pick him up, he goes, No, no. Take him to children's ministry. When he got that tag on his on his shirt, he knew exactly what that meant. He takes it off, rips it up, throws it on the ground. No, I'm not staying. Right? And um, and the other day we're at the house and they get into it. Him and my five-year-old, you guys have kids that get into No, they're all perfect. You guys are you guys have angels, right, for kids? Right, there's like sibling rivalry in our home, okay? They're fighting and I'm trying to correct them and all of a sudden uh, I see that Nehemiah hits his sister so I pull him aside and I tell him, hey, we cannot do that in our household. You know what he does? He clenches his fist, he goes, shut your mouth! And I'm like, oh, he definitely gets that from his mama. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, <laughs> got that from somewhere. <laughs> They're watching And who we are at home is the real us. And guys, let me talk to the dudes right now. We have a God-given responsibility to be authentic and lead spiritually in our home. And to be, and here's the point, to be consistent in our lifestyle. That they would see us with our words and our lifestyle matching our faith. And I don't think anything could discourage our kids more if they see that your faith is not real. If you don't practice what you preach, and we need to be real in every area of your life. What does integrity say? If you go to the store and they give you too much change, what do you do? Integrity says, take it back. Uh, we have this thing in our house called Family Sundays. I mean, Family Fridays. Uh, we can't do Sundays. We're always here, so the family's here. But on Fridays is my day off, and we try to do family days. Um, the other day, we're on our way to Balboa Beach, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get all the bikes ready, and I'm going to get uh, uh, the, our, our um, we have like this wagon that we tied to the bike, uh, this, this uh, um this trailer that we tied to our bike so that all our kids could enjoy it and and, be, uh, and participate in what we're doing. So I get them all ready and we're like on the freeway. I get to the 241. I look in my rear view mirror and I realize that the bike seat on the back of my bike is missing. It flew off on the freeway. And I'm like, oh no. Well, I'm gonna go rent one. So we get to the beach and I'm trying to rent a seat. They're like, no, nah, we just rent the bike with the seat on it. So I rent my daughter a bike and we pull it out and we're... Trying to get everything ready, and I see my daughter make her way around the truck, and she's kind of quiet with her hands like this, and, and I walk over, I said, what are you doing? And I said, can I see your hand? And she opens her hand, and she has a toy that she found in the store that we didn't pay for. It's called stealing. Yeah, I mean, come on, you guys have been there before. And um, so I grabbed her hand and said, come on, we're going to take it back, we go ahead and we're going to let them know we're sorry. So we walk over, I mean, we could have gotten away with it, right? It's a toy, but we're not going to do that, um, and forfeit God's blessing. No way. No, no. Um, so we go over and she apologizes to him, but I want her to know that we don't do that thing, that we wanna live with integrity, amen? And here's the last one, I'm gonna end with this. Uh, point, number, point number four, we need, a, um, we need to be encouraging. Uh, we have to be encouraging. Next passage says this, just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you as a father would his own children. Our kids, uh, so that... And I'll go through that in a moment. He gives us the reason why, but our kids need to know that we're in their corner. We have to catch them doing something right. We gotta lead from a place of encouragement, not performance. I have this temptation. I, I try to tell my kids I'm proud of them, but I caught myself, uh, we'd be around the, I, I, told them I'm pr- I tell them I'm proud of them for everything. So we're on the dinner table, they finish their food. I'm like, I'm proud of you. And I'm like, wait, I can't do that because they're gonna think that I'm proud of them because of their performance. They finish their meal, I'm like, good job. And uh, I, wanna, I wanna lead relationally. I want them to know that I'm proud of them for who they are, not because of what they do. You know, and the temptation is to try to lead that way. And, and um, I remember we're in the car with my daughter and I tell her, I'm just so, so blessed that God has allowed you to be our child and I'm just proud that I'm your dad. And she goes, that's it? I'm like, yes, that's it. That's the only reason. Really? Like, yes. And she goes, wow. And i like, we love you. But I want them to know that. And we wanna create a safe place for them to be able to express those feelings, to be able to come to us with anything that they would know that mommy and daddy are in their corner, and they could come to us for encouraging, for encouragement. Paul, Paul's whole reason, if, I, if, if you miss me on any of this, this is the whole reason why he wants us to win in relationships. So that, right here, that key phrase, so that, let's say it together so that, let's say it again, so that you would walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you. This is the greatest calling in your life and in my life, that our kids would grow up, uh, the Bible says, raise them up in the discipline of the Lord so that when they're older, they don't depart from them because we want them walking in a manner worthy of God, more important than money, more important than toys, more important than vacations, more important than their education. As amazing as education is, their relationship with Jesus is the most important thing. And right now, I know, I know that daddy's not always going to be the hero. I know, I mean, come on, all of you with teenagers, all of you that, you know that your kids get to an age where daddy and mommy don't know what they're talking about anymore. Come on, I was in youth ministry for a really long time, and they just, they don't look to us. So now I'm looking for environments. I praise God for our children's ministry because I'm bringing my daughter there knowing that they're going to have influencers there that are going to point them in a manner worthy of the God who calls us. I want them walking that way. I see friends that have incredible families. I'm like, I want to be around them because I want my kids to see what order looks like, that that it's possible to walk with God in a broken world. And right now, if you guys didn't know this, man, our children's ministry is incredible. They have, they have like these, uh, uh, these resources where they tell you exactly where your child's at depending on their age. If you have a toddler, this is what to expect. If you have a one-year-old, if you have an elementary school student, all our youth ministries, they got all these resources to equip us to know how to engage our kids. And if you've ever wondered, because I think all of us have, how you can go to our children's ministry and they have all those resources. Uh, In fact, you could engage in vacation Bible school. Put your kids there so they have environments to grow so that they could walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls us. Amen. Um, I want to end with this story uh, there was a, a pastor who, um, who sent his kids to camp and they were at camp for an entire week and the theme of the camp was this guys because it's very real it was spiritual warfare so you know what they talked about at camp all week right? it was demons and the devil and that's all they talked about so his son got home goes up into his room and is terrified. Not inspired, but terrified. And he says, dad, dad, can you come over here? Dad makes his way in the room, sits down with his son. He goes, what's up, son? He goes, will you pray for me? He's like, yeah, I'll pray for you. Can you pray that God keeps me safe? And he expressed everything that he learned at camp and all about the demons and all about the devil. He's like, pray that he keep me safe. And the dad looks at him and says, son, I can't pray for that. I'm not praying that God keeps you safe. You know what I wanna do? I wanna pray that God makes you dangerous. That you would know your identity as a child of God. Because if you open up the scriptures, anytime Jesus walked on the scene and there were demons, you know what they did? They bowed down. And that same spirit, that same authority that conquered the grave, grave, that same authority that Jesus had lives inside of you. And I want you to know your potential. I I want you to know that regardless of what you walk into, that authority has walked in there. And when you know who you are, and when you know your identity, every demon has to bow because you know who you are as a child of God. And that's exactly what we wanna do, church. We wanna raise our kids to be confident To have their identity in a heavenly father, to know who they are so that when the world throws confusion when the world throws lies when the world throws anything, they would know truth and they would know the God who is worthy of all their praise because they're walking in a manner worthy of God and I know with the room this size as we think about that and we look at The absent maybe father that we didn't have in our life and um maybe there's some wounded people in here today i want you to know that the bible is clear that that god could restore that attachment with your father why because he is the perfection of your earthly father in fact the bible says that he is the father to the fatherless and i know for me It was a big deal when I came to faith because I projected my relationship with my earthly father to my heavenly father. You see, my dad was present, but he was absent. I grew up in a culture where uh, to be present was to provide. So my dad was always at work and never really engaged in anything we were doing. So through a lot of counseling, and that might be some of us. Uh, Some of our next step is to go through this. For me, I see the benefits of it and I love it. Uh, I have been to counseling, I go to counseling, and I will go to counseling in the future because it's made me a better dad, a better husband, a better Christ follower, And, um, and it's healed a lot and gave me perspective on a lot. But God, through counseling and through the resources, brought a lot of healing into my heart and into my life. And although I didn't have a present father, I realized that my father, my heavenly father, was always present with me. And some of you guys might need to take that next step and say, you know what, I'm in. I'll do whatever I can to be the dad that I need to be, that God's called me to be, be the husband that I need to be. And I'm going to put in work because it takes work. Wait, as a Christian, I have to work? 100% we got to work. We reap what we sow. And you'll get out of your marriage, out of your parenthood, out of your relationship with God, whatever you put into it. But I'm here as a testimony to tell you that God does restore, that he does bring healing, and he does set you free because that's uh, what matters. And church, none of this will make sense if you're not in a relationship with your heavenly father first. The Bible says that yes, he is the father to the fatherless, but when you enter into a relationship with him, he gives you the Holy Spirit. And now because of that, you're able to cry out, Abba, Father. Why? Because you're able to identify with your Father. That's why Jesus came, to restore our relationship with the Heavenly Father. To restore our hearts back to our children. And the only way that's possible is if we have restoration first with our Heavenly Father. And you will see that uh, that everyone who's in Christ Jesus is a brand new creation. That's the promise. Now, that might take a lot of navigating, a lot of discipline for us to become better and better every day. We won't be perfect, but we pursue Him, we follow Him, and we understand that He is our Heavenly Father. I don't know where you find yourself in your faith this morning, church. Uh, If you're watching online, this moment might be for you. But if you're not in a real relationship with God... You haven't received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, where you're uh, aware that that your relationship is real, not just by title, not just because we show up, as amazing as that is, but but do you know him, church? John 17, three says, this is eternal life, that we would know God and his son, Jesus Christ. So to believe in God is to know him, that you have made him the Lord of your life. God, what your will be done, not my own. If you're not in a relationship with Jesus this morning, I want to give you this opportunity, whether you're watching online or here in person, to be able to step into a relationship and start a real relationship with Jesus by committing your life to him. You might be in here and you're like, man, I need restoration. Come to the Lord. That was Paul's message. God brings restoration. And it comes through Jesus Christ. He will restore everything that Satan stole him from you. If you're here and maybe you're distant from God and you're not close to Him today, this moment's for you. But wherever you find yourself in your faith, if you're right with God, do me a favor, pray for those around you. But right now, I'd like to lead you through a prayer. If you're watching online, uh, you could text the word amen to the number 77247 and you could uh, give your life that way. We'll give you some material, we'll send you some stuff so that you can grow in your relationship with Jesus. But right now, in the room, let's pray. Father, I pray for everyone that's in here. God, I ask that you would... um, Make yourself known. God, I know that there's a variety of backgrounds, a variety of upbringing, a variety of different stories in the room, but none of them surprise you, God. I know, Lord, that there are wounded dads and moms here that maybe had a missing father, that maybe um, had a strained relationship or an abusive father, whatever that might look like, God. I pray that today they would have the courage To no longer sit in that, but to have freedom and hope by coming to you. Because, Lord, the plans that you have for us are great and incredible. And I know, Lord, that you came to bring a solution to the brokenness in our world. So I ask, God, that today you would give people the courage to come to you. You said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. And I ask, God, that people would be able to do that this morning. With courage and confidence, knowing that you're the God who restores you know that, uh, that knowing that you're the God that knows how to res- uh, resurrect dead things. And I pray that this morning you would do that. Right now with everyone's eyes closed, if you're right with God, again, just keep praying for those around you. But if you're wanting to give your life to Jesus or if you're wanting to come back, or maybe you wanna get baptized because you've never done that by your own choice, this moment's for you. Just repeat these words after me. Say, Father God, I know that you love me. And I believe that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die for me. To forgive me of all my sin. And to heal me of all my hurt. Right now I say yes to you. I ask that you'd fill me with your love. And that you'd fill me with your Holy Spirit. I say yes to you. And I give you my life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen, let's praise God for all the decisions. Thanks again for joining us. Here at Crossroads, we're all about helping people take their next step. So, what's your next step? Whether you've made a decision to follow Jesus want to be baptized, or you're interested in knowing more about God and the Bible through our Alpha class, we can help you take your next step at CrossroadsChurch.family. We also want to invite you to gather your family and friends to join us right here online again next week. So if you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button and you'll never miss out on any new messages. If you found this message encouraging, click the like button and let us know how we can pray for you this week in the comments. Finally, if your life is being impacted by Crossroads and if you want to be part of making an impact all over the world, you can head to CrossroadsChurch.Family to do that now. Thanks again for watching and we'll see you next time.